Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Victoria, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today's date is Wednesday, February 13th, 2013. We are reading from the big book, Chapter 9, The Family Afterward. We'll be beginning on page 127 with the first full paragraph, beginning, The Head of the Household Ought to Remember. Today's readers are Judy B., Fran, Sharon, and Michelle, who will be reading in that order. The share code for yesterday, Tuesday, February 12th, is 3880. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Anne S. to read the 12 steps. Uh, yes, hi. Good morning. My name is Anne. I'm a compulsive overeater. Anne S. from Pennsylvania. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of, of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to the compulsive overeater and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Anne. I will now call on Margaret Kay to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Margaret. 
uh, compulsive overeater in New Jersey. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those we serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank, Thank you, you Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does, not, does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 9, The Family Afterward, beginning on page 127 with the first full paragraph. That sentence begins, the head of the house ought to remember. Judy B., would you please begin our reading? Certainly. Good morning. This is Judy B., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Glad to be with you this morning. The head of the house ought to remember that he is mainly to blame for what befell his home. He can scarcely square the account in his lifetime but he must see the danger of over-concentration on financial success. Although financial recovery is on the way for many of us, we found that we could not place money first. For us, material well-being always followed spiritual progress. It never preceded. 
since the home has suffered more than anything else, it is well that a man exert himself there. He is not likely to get far in any direction if he fails to show unselfishness and love under his own roof. We know there are difficult wives and families, but the man who is getting over alcoholism must remember he did much to make them so. <coughs> and I'd love to share on this because it's it's talking uh, to the uh, responsible person, uh, the person who has uh, been into alcohol or compulsive overeating and um, just making us aware of the uh, damages that that occurred in the family and and we are um responsible for a lot that's that's happened in the family what this is telling us that um what we need to do is follow a spiritual program now you know we don't have to make up for everything all at once all we have to do is is continue with spiritual progress and um that's what will make the difference in our families Yes, there may be financial problems, and yes, we may have to make up for some of that. But that's not the most important thing. What is most important is that we communicate with our family, that we take responsibility, that we grow. I, I love the my favorite sentence, we grow in understanding and effectiveness. That's what we must do each day. We, we work steps 10, 11, and 12. And uh, we do not forget that Home is where where we caused many, many problems, and uh, it is the place where we have to show unselfishness and love. Uh, it's it's important for us to do that. We can't go out and, and be busy 24-7 with um, service work when, and ignore our own family. We can't do that, and yet, and yet it's important to, to pay back what we've been given. So we just need to remember that God will guide us. He will guide us in this recovery process, and he will guide our family. And if we ask his His help and his direction each day, we will just know what to do. It will, it, things will just fall into place, and, and when they don't, we go to him for guidance, and, uh, and we get that guidance. And it, it's just a beautiful unfolding, and it works. It really works. So um, my suggestion at, at this point would be reading again pages 83 to 89 if we, um, if we falter in this area because that tells us how to go through each day and, and how to work this program. And I am so grateful for this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Who else would like to share on what was just read? Good morning. This is Margaret in New Jersey. Margaret, good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning, Victoria. Uh, I'd like to go in on to the Sutton's Whoopi Fell at Home. And um, I always said that, you know, when I first came into the program, I could not see my selfishness and self-centeredness because I was convinced that my compulsive eating really only hurt me. I, I was I was very convinced in that, you know, and, and on page, I believe it's page 13 in Bill's story, I, who had thought so well myself, and my abilities to surmount obstacles was cornered at last. I mean, that's what it really took for me to get that corneredness and to really begin 
uh, as the food went down to really look at the things that did befall my home because of my compulsive eating. You know, I maybe I didn't lose house and home and, and car and garage, but there were so many things that I would just want to hide and, and go into my room and not go to places and not do things. Uh, that And other people, with every, every single person, it befalls their life in a different way. And um, so with myself now, I can easily identify in what, was what how it befell my own personal home and what changes uh this program is bringing to it i certainly am a happier person as as everyone else is around me and with that i'll pass thanks thank you margaret would someone else like to share in what was read this is kim kim good morning go ahead please Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim J, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Two sentences really jump out, and they kind of hurt. They kind of hurt. It says, we know there are difficult wives and family, but the man who is getting over alcoholism must remember he did much to make them so. Ouch! And the other one is he can scarcely square the account in his lifetime. So this is one, again, we're taking responsibility. This is the family afterwards. We have done these 12 steps. We've had that spiritual awakening, and we are learning to live in today. And we're starting to recognize we've done a lot of damage to our families. You know, we might have a difficult wife. We might have difficult children. We have difficult relationships, but we have created those relationships. This has been a self-imposed crisis. And no one who has had contact with us can, get, can escape. And the other sentence is he can scarcely, scarcely square the account in his lifetime. So once again, we are reminded, and I'm going to read on page 83, we are reminded this is a lifetime journey that we're going on. In, okay, top of page 83, yes, this is a long period of reconstruction ahead. We must take the lead. A remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fit the bill at all. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyze the past as we now see it, being careful not to criticize them. Their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. So we clean the house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our Creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. So yes, this is not going to be a journey where we're going to Suddenly get absent and everything's going to pay, be okay. Or suddenly when we become recovered, everything's going to go our way. That we are going to have to learn now how to live life on life's terms. But I've got to tell you, the rewards are amazing. The relationships deepen. Because now we're able to meet people with the person that God wanted us to be all along. Not that person that the disease made us become. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. This is Victoria, compulsive overeater. I'd like to share in what was read. This first paragraph um, really puts out a very strong danger ahead when it says, despite the fact that the alcoholic, the compulsive overeater, can hardly square the damage um, over his lifetime of being the tornado roaring through the lives of others. 
there is still danger in an over-concentration on financial success. And that's an example of a misplaced responsibility that when I was new in recovery, um, having always been um, a single parent and responsible for supporting the family and myself, and frankly living a pretty work-dominated life that I cope with through having a constant IV of my favorite binge foods going, um, it would have placed me in a great deal of danger to put my primary focus or over-concentrate, as this passage says, on making money. Um, early recovery involves a lot of time. And this, pe- this chapter goes on to describe the kind of time that's involved and the, the activities which allow the newcomer to begin to experience that higher power that is going to be the, the sole source of power sufficient to recovery and how critical that is. It goes on to say that for us, money could never come first. We found we could not place money first. Material well-being always followed financial progress, never preceded it. And that can be, that can be a tough nut for many of us who have been or are living on the edge financially and it's so tempting to tell ourselves, well, I can cut that corner with my program. Um, I can get by with one meeting when I know, in fact, I need three this week just in order to keep the food down. Um, So it's really about first things first and providing the direction that the newcomer, I as a newcomer, so desperately needed because I could not figure out what came next through sponsorship and through the very clear directions like this one, which in many cases actually has caused people to leave a profession or an occupation that they realized is not compatible for them with recovery. I had a sponsee, for instance, who during the four months around tax season was expected to put in a 70, 80 hour week. That was her profession. She had some tough decisions to make. Finally, the passage in the next paragraph, he is not likely to get far in any direction if he fails to show unselfishness and love under his own roof. And it was under my own roof that I found it hardest to show unselfishness and love, particularly with my own partner. Um, There were long-standing patterns that had to be turned around with as much effort and surrender as I could bring beginning day one. And it was very tempting. I remember thinking, I'd just like to focus on working the program in the fellowship with others who are recovering, even with people at work. Um, And let me come back to this later because it's much harder to work it with my own family. And this passage makes it clear we are very unlikely to get far in any of those directions if he fails to show unselfishness and love under his own roof. 
And with that, I'll pass. Would someone else like to share in those paragraphs before we move on? This is Paula Mascia. Yes, Paula. Go ahead, please. I'm going to piggyback on what you said here. In this sentence, it just it rings so true. He is not likely to get far in any direction if he fails to show unselfishness and love under his own roof. And it continues on. We know there are difficult wives and families. Okay, we're stating the obvious here. But the man who is getting over alcoholism must remember. Now, there's a must before remember. Not only remember, must remember. He did much to make them so. So here we see a broken up family that is coming together. But there are pieces all strewn about. But this part, he is not likely to get by in any direction. His failure. Then say anything about the family. If he fails to show unselfishness and love, under his own roof. And as was stated, that's the hardest place to show it. It's so easy to go into a meeting, even other places, and, oh, my, shake a hand, give a hug. But what does it say on 98? It says very clearly, though his family be at fault in many respects, he should not be concerned about that. He should concentrate on his own spiritual Demonstration, there it is. Argument and fault finding are to be avoided like the plague. And it clearly says in many homes, okay, I'll come along here. This is a difficult thing to do. But, and here it is again, it must be done if any results are to be expected. It persisted in for a few months. The effect on a man's family is sure to be great. The most incompatible people discover they have a basis upon which they can meet. Little by little, the family may see their own defects and admit them. These can be then discussed, and here it is again, in an atmosphere of helpfulness and friendliness. They're the miracle of transformation. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula. <clears throat> Thank you, Paula. Fran, would you continue reading with the next two paragraphs, please? Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Fran, compulsive eater. As each member of a resentful family begins to see his shortcomings and admits them to the others, he lays a basis for helpful discussion. These family talks will be constructive if they can be carried on without heated argument, self-pity, self-justification, or resentful criticism. Little by little, mother and children will see they ask too much, and father will see he gives too too little. Giving rather than getting will become the guiding principle. Assume, on the other hand, that Father has, at the outset, a stirring spiritual experience. Overnight, as it, is, as it were, he is a different man. He becomes a religious enthusiast. He is unable to focus on anything else. As soon as his sobriety begins to be taken 
As a matter of course, the family may look at their strange new dad with apprehension, then with irritation. There is talk about spiritual matters, morning, noon, and night. He may demand that the family find God in a hurry or exhibit amazing indifference to them and say he is above worldly considerations. He may tell mother, who has been religious all her life, (laughs) that she doesn't know what it's all about and that she had better get his brand of spirituality while there is yet still time. And I just think that with the family, they're going through transitions, and they just really need to know that they have to be patiently tolerant with the father because if they just look at the fact that he is now sober and working a program, that is such a miracle in and of itself. Because there's so few that that do find AA and do recover or do find a way. The percentages are small. So the, just the very fact that he is starting to work a program should be for the family something that is a glorious thing, a miraculous thing, and that they should spend time just working on their attitudes and behaviors. I know that's what I have to do. Uh, I have both sides of the disease, the Al-Anon part and the compulsive overeating, so I have to work it from both angles. It's, it's a family disease, and the whole family needs to recover and have patience and tolerance towards the other person of their uh, defects and shortcomings and work on their own. And it's always so hard to to work on my own side, you know, but I have to always turn it back to me. What is it that I can do to change the uh, attitudes and the atmosphere in my home, you know? So have a blessed day, everyone. This is a glorious program. I pass. Thank you, Fran. Who else would like to comment on what was just read? Press star one to unmute. This is Sarah. Can I share? Yes, Sarah. Go ahead, please. He may tell mother who has been religious all her life that she doesn't know what it's all about and that she had better get his brand of spirituality while there is yet time. So guilty of this. (laughs) I'm like, every time um, I read moving passages in the big book, which is often because they're so moving and there's so many of them on just how to live, how to live, like, oh, you have to read this. Oh, you need to do this. And, you know, thank God I, I have a, um, a religious family and it's not like they're, they're unfamiliar with God. But I have, to, um, I have to be careful not to superimpose my understanding of spirituality on, on others who don't have this problem, who, you know, I have to to work and focus on how I'm living the spiritual life that I'm learning and not um, becoming where, oh, this is is the way of life, now you have to go and live it (laughs) so that I can function in the world. And I I have to be careful um, not to, to... um, to to lead by example, to really lead by example. And there's, you know, talk about spiritual matters morning, noon, and night. He may demand that the family find God in a hurry and exhibit amazing 
or exhibit amazing indifference to them and say he's above worldly considerations. You know, it's, you know, I really, I find for myself that every every day, every year, every stage, um, as I as I continue to learn and to grow in this program, it it just new things are revealed on how I'm behaving and how other people are receiving my behaviors, and I just need to learn, you know, a sense of of balance and of um, practical spirituality of where I'm in my family's world and I'm not trying to control their world by my newfound spiritual experience and how much wiser it would be for me to live fully that spiritual experience and and have them want it for themselves and be a model of principle living in the world. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. Let's move on to the next two paragraphs. Sharon, would you read, please? Good morning. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you, Victoria. When father takes this tact, the family may react unfavorably. They may be jealous of a God who has stolen dad's affection. While grateful that he drinks no more, they may not like the idea that God has accomplished the miracle where they failed. They often forget father was beyond human aid. They may not see why their love and devotion did not straighten him out. Dad is not so spiritual after all, they say. If he means to right his past wrongs, why all this concern for everyone in the world but his family? What about his talk that God will take care of them? They suspect Father is a bit balmy. He is not so unbalanced as they may think. Many of us have experienced Dad's elation. We have indulged in spiritual intoxication, like a gaunt prospector felt drawn in over the last ounce of food, our pick struck gold, joy at our release from a lifetime of frustration knew no bounds. Father feels like he has struck something better than gold. For a time, he may try to hug the new treasure to himself. He may not see at once that he has barely scratched a limitless load, which will pay dividends only if he mines it for the rest of his life and insist on giving the entire, away the entire product. So there's a couple of things in this, in this, in these two paragraphs that are, that are significant that I'd like to point out. First, they often forget father was beyond human aid. So the family here is looking at father. They have some expectations about what life is going to be once he gets sober. And then they are disappointed because life doesn't become what they thought it would be. They thought they were going to get a life like their friends had, the, the, the idyllic life 
And what they find out is what they get is a father who is now focused on something else beside them. And uh, Bill says to them, hold on here. This is what father needs to do. This is, he, he, try, he goes and tries to explain to the family members what is happening with their, their, their father. And for me, I can, I'm, I'm grateful that Bill is explaining it because the reality is, is this is a life or death situation. They forget that father was beyond human aid. I was beyond human aid. And it is, it is when we get, when we first get this recovery, it is really important that we throw ourselves headlong into it, that we, we really, I had to focus everything on my recovery when I first started. It had to, I had to really get in there and it was really important that I had that space. However, Bill is saying to us, when we do get this recovery, yes, you have to get in there and immerse yourself in it, and it has to be your priority, and it has to be your all in all. But do remember your family members. Remember your children. Remember who's in your household with you, your, your, your spouse. And remember how they're feeling. So we want to be sensitive to them, yet we, they have to, this is a situation where we cannot bend too much because we have to stay with this program. We have to stick with it because in this case, we must stay in this program, we must emerge ourselves in it, and not only that, go even deeper. We have to give it away. We have to, this is our all in all, this is everything to us, but yet we have, there's even more that we need to do with this program. But we have to be sensitive to our family members. We need to spend time with them. We can't be proselytizing, trying to make them be like us. But uh, we need to talk to them, let them know what's going on, be loving. But do not let go of our program. It says here, he may not see it once. He's talking about us. That he has barely, we have barely scratched a limitless load, which will pay dividends only if we mine it for the rest of our lives and insist on giving it away. So when we first get this spiritual, it's talking about the father has, has gotten, you know, this elation and we're all emerged in it. But this is something that we're going to have to do for the rest of our lives. This is a, a lifetime commitment. And we have to keep working it and find that balance in our lives ultimately. So we're sensitive to our family members. We're loving to them, but we cannot let go. We have to allow them time to work through their issues with with us, to work through their disappointment, because they thought that after we stopped 
uh, having our hand in the cellophane bag and our face down in the food, uh, after we lost that focus on the food, that we were going to then focus on them and that we were they were going to have this leave-it-to-beaver life. And they're disappointed that they're not getting what they want. But we have to allow them space to grow, space to have their own spiritual development. And we can't change to try to make their life better. We have to keep with our program. We have to keep mining and, and growing spiritually and, and digging in while at the same time being sensitive and lovely to our family members. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Who else would like to comment on what was just read? This is Baron. Leah. Baron, and then Leah, please. Hi, this is Vera, the Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Very happy to be here. Um, I so much find this paragraph meaningful for me. You know, my kids still might not understand why if I'm recovered, I'm supposed to listen every hour, every day to a meeting for an hour. Why do I still have to be on the phone, but this time it's not in order to complain with friends about and, you know, and gossip and da-da-da. It's to help other compulsive overeaters. Yes, I think the difference is that maybe I cannot cover up for the many years I wasn't so productive and I couldn't be financially supportive enough for my family. And now in recovery, I try to do whatever I can. And maybe they will not be satisfied in many ways. But there is one difference, which is huge. And the difference is that although I cannot really um, give them what they want, I can listen to their upsetness, to their discomfort, not taking responsibility for the, their solution or their, the journey that they need to go through. But what mother did they have before I was recovered? A mother that couldn't listen to anything. So now it's my responsibility to contain their disappointment, to contain their pain, and to pray about it, and to pray for their sake and the, their, the journey that they need to take. But even just the listening to the upsetness is a new journey, is a new channel to their soul. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Farad. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you, Victoria. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh-oh. <laughs> Sounds like there's tension on the home front. June and Ward Cleaver are having some disagreements here. Um, we're in Chapter 9, you know, the family afterward, and this whole chapter is speaking about those many numerous challenges and readjustments that face our families and face, you know, the, each member um, of the recovering, the recovered alcoholic. And the uh, same goes for the compulsive overeater, you know. Uh, this text is now stressing the importance for every member to live by these spiritual principles as a means of restoring the, the trust and, and integrity uh, within the family unit. And, of course, each person has to focus on this themselves. Um, it says here, 
They may be jealous of a God who has stolen dad's affections while grateful that he drinks no more. They may not like the idea that God has accomplished the miracle where they failed. Um, Absolutely, recovery has to become number one. Um, My relationship with God and the development and implementation of these steps and these principles has to be number one. Either my recovery is number one, either my recovery is first, or it will be last. So that means that my recovery um, is is center of my life and everything else revolves around that. But it goes on to say here, if he means to right his past wrongs, why all this concern for everyone in the world but his family? So it appears unbalanced. The family might be jealous, as was previously stated. You know, now there are relationships in a fellowship. Now there's a relationship with a sponsor. Now there is the responsibility and the duty and the obligation to carry the message. So uh, it may seem unbalanced at first. It may seem unbalanced at first. What do we say in step 12? We say, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So that means um, I've arrived at a certain point. I have recovered. Um, but that means that I can't rest on my laurels. Yes, I've had a spiritual awakening. Yes, I'm recovered, but I'm still subject to subject of life. And yes, I still have this family. And yes, I'm obligated and I have a duty and a responsibility. And out of self-preservation, I need to try to carry this message. But I can't forget that other piece in, in step 12, which is and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So, you know, how am I treating that spouse of mine and how am I treating those children of mine and, you know, um, am I giving them the time and the attention that they need and am I treating my husband courteously and when I make an error in judgment in my speech or my behavior, do I make amends quickly and am I practicing these principles at home with my children and am I realizing, uh, you know, that I'm powerless over other people under my roof, all that stuff, it takes work. These are new muscles. These are new muscles that we're practicing in an environment that is 24 hours. You know, you go to work and you uh, you get there at 9 and you check out at 5 and you leave all your colleagues, you know, in the office. But not so with home life. You know, home life, you live with people day in and day out <laughs> and there's no escape. And uh, just as muscular strength is built gradually, so too is the spiritual strength that we need. And these new attitudes demand a lot of effort and a lot of hard work. And of course, it goes on to say here, he may not see at once that he has barely scratched a limitless load, which means supply, uh, which will pay dividends only if he minds it for the rest of his life and insists on giving away the entire product. This speaks to that there is no rest in this program of recovery. There is no complacency here. That's it. There is no rest. There's no, uh, you know, my disease doesn't take a vacation. It doesn't take a break. This this recovery and this demand to carry the message and be active in the recovery process takes tenacity and it takes t- determination and it's an enormous investment. But the rewards are um, limitless. 
The rewards are limitless because this program of recovery enables us to be the spouses and the partners and the wives and the husbands and the daughters and the children and the colleague um, that we never could possibly be before. The program of recovery and these spiritual principles allow us to perhaps tap in to the potential that God knows is available within us. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. This is Victoria, compulsive overeater. I'd like to comment on what was read. The passage in particular, for a time he may try to hug the new treasure to himself. This, for me, these paragraphs talk about spiritual starvation, the kind of starvation of the soul and the spirit that if you can imagine in your mind someone who is physically starving at perhaps the last weeks or months of their life, that terrible vision of um, the living dead, that was my interior reality when I walked through the door of OA and the family, too, my family, who had been living with me, the tornado, for all that time, um, and the damage that was wrought, also experienced a kind of spiritual starvation that these paragraphs have been alluding to. And so it's tempting at the beginning. Sometimes we hear newcomers say, but I'm, I'm not ready to sponsor. Um, I, I, I'm too busy. Um, or, you know, maybe I can fit in one sponsee, but that's about it. And what, what this wonderful sentence sits, sets out is the standard for survival in recovery. It says... He may not see this person who wants to hug this new treasure to himself or herself. He may not see at once that he has barely scratched a limitless load that will pay dividends only, the only way it will pay dividends, if he mines it for the rest of his life and insists on giving away the entire product, to give away all that treasure. The same principle is on top of page 128 we read a few minutes earlier giving rather than getting will become the guiding principle and that early tension when everyone on the scene family and compulsive overeater are spiritually starved can be difficult but the direction we're given is that we must we must give away the entire product in order to keep it, in order for it to grow through a lifetime. And then it becomes a question of seeking the balance. With others suffering compulsive overeaters and the giving that we need to do at home. With that, I'll pass. Would anyone like, else like to share on this before we move on? Hi, this is Suzanne from New Jersey. Suzanne, good morning. Go Hi. ahead, please. So I'm about just over five weeks into this journey and what this everyone was talking about made me think about, I certainly felt that euphoria the first few weeks into it 
not knowing I had been experiencing a fog, but once it was lifted, you realize it was there. And with respect to my family, in recent years, I've become aware of my outbursts and my reactions and was sorry for them. But with that, with that sorriness came guilt. And now I'm realizing in last month, it's actually compassion that I'm feeling instead of guilt, which helps me just respond to them and to myself. And if I say something, I've not had an outburst, but if I say something that in my ear then rings negatively or in, in a critical way to be sarcastic, which is my nature, um, I don't feel bad about myself. I was horrible. But I look at the person and I say, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for it to come out that way. And it's actually taking my husband some time to appreciate that I'm not being sarcastic and apologizing for being sarcastic because we're together relearning my attempt to be um, be more kind and gentle with myself and with others with that I pass. Thank you, Suzanne. Michelle, would you continue reading with the next two paragraphs, please? Uh, good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater by the Grace of God. <clears throat> if the family cooperates, Dad will soon see that he is suffering from a distortion of values. He will perceive that his spiritual growth is lopsided, that for an average man like himself, a spiritual life which does not include his family obligations may not be so perfect after all. If the family will appreciate that Dad's current behavior is but a phase of his development, all will be well. In the midst of an understanding and sympathetic family, these vagaries of Dad's spiritual infancy will soon disappear. The opposite may happen should the family condemn and criticize. Dad may feel that for years his drinking has placed him on the wrong side of every argument but that now he has become a superior person with God on his side. If the family persists in criticism, this fallacy may take a still greater hold on Father. Instead of treating the family as he should, he may retreat further into himself and feel he has spiritual justification for so doing. And um, yeah, I'd like to share on these um, two paragraphs. They seem to be um, a contrast. Uh, the first paragraph talks about if the family cooperates. So um, in this chapter, the family afterward, um, we've learned that families of alcoholics work with other families of alcoholics um, to be helpful and to be supportive. And so if the family cooperates, um, to me, means that um, the family's cooperating with God's graces. And they're, they're, too, looking into a program of recovery. And um, they're, they're living in a, a spiritual climate of patience and love and understanding. Um, those watchwords that we read about in the chapter to the wives that, you know, been, we've been told or the family's been told these are important. And um, in that kind of environment, an environment of patience, love, understanding, and tolerance, um, they're saying that these distortions of, of values may soon be realized by Dad. Um, he's going to see that his spiritual growth is lopsided, that um, he's got a chance to grow in his own, in his own spiritual life um, in that climate, in that climate of acceptance. 
um, and that there are some changes going on. He's changing, um, but they're going to—they're not going to come maybe as quickly as the family would like. But they will—they will disappear. He's going to see, um, if you will, the, the errors of his ways. That his family needs to be included in his spiritual life as his spiritual life enlarges as he as he's worked the steps. And then contrasting that with a different environment, a different climate, a climate of um, condemnation and, and criticizing, uh, reminds me of um, the frothy emotional appeal that, that never worked, um, the begging, the pleading, the pointing out of the faults, um, which is so different from acceptance. And um, Dad's found um, a power greater than himself, and he's feeling really good, and I can relate to how I felt really good on that pink cloud when I was first abstinent, but there was more for me to learn. There was more um, for me to grow in my spiritual life. And for me, um, part of that climate was my sponsor, the climate that I had with my sponsor, that she was patient with me. She she knew how um, how much more um, I could grow in in my spiritual life, but I wasn't there. I was in my infancy, and there was patience, and there was love, and there was tolerance. And with that kind of a climate, um, I was able to progress spiritually and see how my thinking, my mind, which is the greater aspect of my disease, was lopsided in my thinking. I was looking on what I can get, what I wanted from the family, and, and soon, gradually, learning that it was in the giving, not in the getting. And gradually, I could move and I could grow from infancy to a more mature spiritual life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Who else would like to share on what was just read? We have time for one brief share. This is Leah. Leah, go ahead, please. Thank you so much. Focusing in here, a spiritual life which does not include his family obligations may not be so perfect after all. Um, Again, you know, the big book is helping us uh, make the transition um, from disease into recovery process, into recovered, into um, embracing the family and having uh, more balance in this new life, you know, continued neglect and, and, and irresponsibility is not the goal here. Um, the program has taught and is talking about that. The price for serenity and uh, sanity for you and I is self-sacrifice. There's no doubt about that. But, but um, the family will stabilize. You know, the family will get stabilized because there's nothing incompatible between a spiritual life and sane and happy usefulness and being loving and cooperative and harmonious family members. There's nothing incompatible there. It just takes practice at the balancing act, Um, how to support our family members, how to encourage our family members at the same time, uh, taking care of our own needs in recovery. Always important to remember that AA grew by leaps and bounds for two primary reasons. One, people who were thought to be hopeless, that they were dying in the gutters of a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, they got sober and they stayed sober. 
And number two, their families were restored. Their families were reunited. These families that had been so fragmented and so harmed by the illness and its progression were now coming back together and being healed. And that's because the alcoholic and hopefully its family members were embracing and um, living by these spiritual principles. And when we are each committed and dedicated to living these spiritual principles, we get results. We get results because we're cooperating with God's grace. And when you cooperate with God's grace, it can't be beat. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Judy B., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Certainly. Can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.